0: My next guest, Kyler Miles, is a filmmaker who's on a mission to help brands and entrepreneurs make it happen online. Kyler helps businesses use video marketing and has been featured in publications like New York Weekly and Travel Journal Magazine. Kyler's here to tell a story about the impact that bullying had on him, how he made it through and how he got to a place where he believed in himself so he could pursue his dreams. Hey, Kyler, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Uh, thank you so much for having me. So happy to be on the show and to say hi to all of your audience members.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to dive into your story because I know so many people can relate to bullying. I mean, even if it's minimal, I mean, it's there's a huge spectrum, but I feel like so many people can relate to that. So um, yeah, I can't wait to dive in. And I, I want to start with like, when did your the bullying experience actually happen? And what was it like for you?
1: Good first question, so when did it happen? I think I was in grade three or four, so whatever age that was for myself. Um, So grade three or four, uh, I was in a a elementary school and I really got bullied around, I had trouble reading and writing. Uh, I was behind a grade and really struggled with it. And I got bullied for that reason, for a lot. Didn't make friends very easy, very shy as a kid. And, you know, at that early age, it's hard. You know, you're just learning who you are, what you like. And and it was tough to just be at school. And I remember um, not at the time, but realizing now as an adult that even the teachers would kind of separate me and actually... Bully me in a way as well, not just the kids on the playground, but the teachers saying, you know, not understanding that I didn't learn the same way as the other kids. Um, so that's kind of when it happened, when it really impacted me. It was quite early on. Um, but grade three, four, so very, very young, under 10 years old.
0: Wow. Okay. So, and when you say like you got bullied from other kids and teachers, what were some of the things that they would say?
1: Uh, most of the thing that stuck with me are like, you're stupid, you're an idiot, you won't amount to anything. I had a conversation with my principal and my folks and the principal is saying like Kyler basically was saying, I won't go anywhere. And that was the moment when my parents actually took me out of that school and moved, uh, to a brand new, like, miles and miles away to a new district to be in a different school and my parents interviewed I think three or four different schools before putting me into the elementary school that I went into because they didn't want that environment for me but uh, to answer your question I mean everything you can think of like uh, I I didn't get a physical I don't remember any physical bullying it was more you know kind of words and you know maybe some like pushing on the playground but no no definite bruises like that it was very emotional bruising and it did stick with me to to this day some of the 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 deepest wounds i have is someone would call if i feel like i'm not intelligent or people don't uh, look at me as like look at me as being stupid or not smart i i instantly feel that sensation as if I was a kid. So it stuck with me for a long time, you know. Um, but I'm trying to recall some of the other names in the book, and it's been it's been a while. Um, I can't remember, you know, they come out with crazy names. i've I'm redheaded, so they called me Ginger and stuff like that. But those things didn't stick with me as much as uh, insulting my kind of my intelligence.
0: Wow. oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I think, like you say, I think a lot of times, you know, the physical, Like the bullying words are so powerful. Like I can, I can think back to my elementary. I can remember the exact words that somebody said to me that have stuck with me that still, I mean, how many years later, 30 years later, I can still remember the exact words and phrases that were said. So words, yeah, can cut deep and I don't know, stick these wounds can come with you into adulthood because then in the same situation where you feel, you know, unintelligent or stupid or whatever when you're in a situation like that it brings you back where you can feel yeah. it in your body. So yeah. Your parents then obviously like thank goodness you they supported you and moved you then to another school district. So when you moved to another school district was the same thing mm-hmm. happening there or did things kind of I don't know start fresh?
1: Definitely started fresh. Um, I wouldn't say bullying stops for me right there, but it definitely was a a life-changing moment. The, The thing that stuck to me that like looking back and hearing what you said, the thing that really hit home was the actual principal, an adult. And I remember being in the principal's office, being in the room with my parents and the principal saying that Kyler, it basically won't amount to anything. Right. Because of his and it wasn't a disability. It was just a, a, a different way of learning. Right. And so when I changed schools, my parents, I remember coming out of that um, of the principal's uh, uh, like office and my parents talked to me in the car. I said, Kyler, like, don't believe anything that she just said. Like you, the sky's the limit. You can make it happen right? That was what they told me. And I was basically homeschooled for the rest of the year and then moved to a new school. And that summer we moved to a new district. And when I got to the new school and actually just found this out, it's kind of funny story that my best friend that I met and I've been best friends with him for 20 years, we met when I was 10 and, um, I met him, actually, it was orchestrated from my new principal and my mom. My mom talked to the new principal and said, I really want to set Kyler up with a really nice guy. And they orchestrated this entire friendship. And I had no idea. And I just found out like a few years ago, which is very funny. I find is very funny, but we've been friends ever since. He's been one of the one of my best friends for a long time. And he really helped me. You know, he was a tall kind of lengthy guy. He was a popular guy. And everyone, if, if, if you were in, if you were his friend, everyone loved you. So just by association, I was, I was good and I gained more confidence and, You know, I had my first like real deep friendship. So that really helped. Now, bullying didn't stop. There's still growing up when I went to high school, different types of bullying happened. And I feel like that happens with everybody. But it definitely changed the game when I met that friend and I went to the new school.
0: Oh, I love that. And I feel like it's so true. Like, um, whoever you're associated with, you hear that now. But I mean, I see it as like a former teacher, um, you know, you just want, and I mean, being in it and seeing it all, like I have the insider's view, right? So like when my son goes to school, I'm like, I just want their teacher to take care of themselves and be really happy so they can show up for the students, like take care of their mental health and well being, and be a really, really happy teacher. Um, And the curriculum, like, you know, I would rather if I had to choose it's like curriculum or like social skills and kindness and all of that, I would yeah. choose like the, the other, and that, you know, people leave, learn at different rates and stuff. So I'm like, I just want the the teacher to be like really happy with herself or himself. And then it's like, you said the people who you are surrounded with. So we know that as adults, it's like, you're like the five people that you spend your time with you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's like the kids too. So Like how beautiful that your parents orchestrated to be set up with like this other, you know, really Mm -hmm. kind, nice, nice child to to start a friendship. Because yeah, when my son goes off to school, I'm like, just one, like, please, please, please. Mm -hmm. Who's like a really nice, he's such a kind, loving soul and is so easily influenced. And he's so sensitive that I'm like, please just pick like, your circle like I'm so aware of like his circle I just want him to be really nice kid so like how amazing that 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 was orchestrated you just found out a couple (laughs) years ago that this friendship like obviously it it panned out for you so it's nice to have and here I
1: thought the last 20 years I just like oh I, I made a friend so easily and yet it was actually orchestrated and I'm very thankful and I and I laugh at it now that um you know you know that this friendship was orchestrated, but not everyone has that, you know, same parents, that same environment. So I feel very lucky that I I found someone like that and had a little bit of a role model for myself. And, and it really was the stepping stones to, for me becoming who I am today. And I, I really do believe that. And as you said, you are the five people you hang out with and <clears throat> people may know that, but people don't put that into practice a lot. I have a 13 year old stepdaughter that I try to, you know, help influence a lot and make her realize like, you know, the way that her friends are speaking to her or the way that a guy is treating her. Like, do you really want to be treated that way? Is that someone you want to be in your close circle and, and really start to think about those things at that early age? Cause I remember that I remember this is now skipping a little ahead of the story, but going to high school And, you know, the kind of cooler kids, but got into trouble a little bit, you know, they would smoke outside and trying to influence you. And it's very, you know, you want to be accepted at that age. I remember I was the outcast. I was the, you know, at the bottom of the barrel, back of the class. No one wanted to be my friend. And now, you know, me to say no, and it's like, oh, you don't want to be a part of our clique or our crew. You know, I mean, it's 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 hard the, we all want to be accepted. It's in our, our nature. So, you know, passing that forward, that message on is part of kind of my mission today and helping people, I call making it happen. Um, but yeah, it, it is a, it's a crazy world out there.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. And I, I just like this thought popped into my mind a while back. It's like, you are the, like the five people you hang out with the most, but you're one of those people. So you need to like do the deep work on you because you hang out with yourself 24 seven and the thoughts that are going through your mind are, are so important to like, to what you're putting out there too. So I feel like, yeah, each of us needs to do, do the work too. So, so you finally, you find this friend, they set you up to, you know, it was probably like, Oh, Hey, Hey. And introduce my son to this guy at recess and try to get them together like that or something. So you find this friend, you're like, okay, you've got one friend, you're, you know, starting kind of fresh, you go off to high school, and then you're back to the bottom of the barrel. So how did that feel? Like, you know, was it like a high, like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And then, you know, down low, or how did you navigate that?
1: Yeah, great question. So I think beginning high school, I remember my first day, uh, you're a little lost, you know, you're how old, 12, 13 years old, uh, where I went, it was grade eight, first day of high school. And I was looking for a class. And I remember this grade 12 girl, who is like, you know, I'm a, I'm a small kid at the time looking up This grade twelve A woman is telling me get the out of my way, get out of my way. And I'm like, so scared, you know what I mean? And I'm in this new place and I'm such a small fry, right? And we all go through it. We all get ahead of it. But like I said, like, I remember the, the, the temptations of being a part of the, the people that wanted to party and experiment with drugs and, and do all sorts of different things that I, I, you know, I wasn't comfortable with. Right. And it was hard to not accept that. But having that friend, the importance of having someone like that friend to say no, like he he is okay to say no. And he's standing on his feet and people respect him for it. And to see that, and it really does shape, like it it really did help me not go down the bad path. I was very much of a follower when I was growing up. I was not a leader. Um, I, I did not... Have that capability at that time because of um what happened to me being young and being bullied so i think i could have easily followed them down the path just through peer pressure and wanting to be accepted and to have friendship so that was very important um that was a very different like a very significant time in my life um Obviously still getting bullied here and there, but it it really did get better because I had those role models. And Tim, my friend introduced me to more of his inner circle that still to this day, we are still friends. We call ourselves the fab five. We're still best friends to this day from that early on age. So it just goes to show that you can seriously like power through it, get through high school, get through all those challenges if you have the right you know tribe around you you know
0: absolutely I think that's so so key and I feel like yeah we all I don't know I'm sure everybody has their own experience some people probably like absolutely loved and thrived through high school I feel like some people who are even at the top or the most popular have so much pressure to you know act a certain way be a certain way like just like I feel like a lot of them have the pressure too but I feel like for maybe a lot of the population, they just try to survive. And I try to tell people this: like, just survive high school, because when you get out, like nothing else matters. Like none of that stuff, the high school stuff. I mean, it's so hard to get through, but when you get out, it's like, nobody cares. Like, who did what? You know what I mean? In <laughs> high school, it's like you can be, it's like your life, right? You want. Yeah. It's uh, like,
1: it feels like you're, it feels like the world is ending when something goes wrong. I remember uh, being pantsed at school. Again, another bully trying to bring me down, getting pants at school, showing being the most vulnerable to your whole student body you know, and you're, you, how are you supposed to, it's the end of the, I remember begging my parents not to go to school. I was like, I'm ready to leave school, ready to go to another one. Right. And I remember that. And, and now I laugh because it's like, no one, no one, people might bring it up still who went to my high school and laugh, but it's such a, it's such a, it's so, it's funny to me now when I remember it being devastating to me in the moment. Right. Even now, if I got pants, I'd be pretty, pretty embarrassed. But I'm not going to be devastated because I, I, I've built a foundation of confidence in myself and and knowing that it's not the end of the world. Like we are such a small speck in this universe, in this world. Right. I'm just one person, and no one's gonna remember that. I don't remember anyone else uh, as embarrassing story. I only remember mine because it's my world. Right. So that's something I like to tell people and and to share with my stepdaughter is that you, it may seem like a big deal. And it is, I don't want to not validate that it's not a big deal to you right now, but that we are all so self-centered that no one really cares at the end of the day about what embarrassing moment you had. They only mm-hmm. care about what happened to them, you know? So those situations, all these memories in high school, I, bet if i asked some of my friends in high school probably 90 percent of them won't even remember but like i don't remember that at all you know because it doesn't we don't have that capacity in our brains to remember all that stuff because it's not important to us right maybe to the person who pants me <laughs> maybe for that guy you know uh which i which you know it's funny i i um I saw him a couple of years ago and we had a a, a laugh at that, you know, because we all grow up and we, we get over those things. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's something I just hope people who are listening and watching this right now understand that it's okay. And even if you're, if you're having trouble, you know, sometimes we think about the past and you still feel embarrassment by it. Right. And just because it's affecting you, but you, you have to know, that people won't remember it. People just, it's just statistically people won't remember it.
0: Right. I know that's such a good, a good point to bring up because really, like you say, we're all self-centered and it's like the way that it emotionally hits in your body. And when you think about it in the past, yeah, you remember it, but other people have got other stuff to worry about in themselves. So, um, how do you go from that point from, you know, you, you said you weren't a leader. You were a follower. You had this, like, thank goodness, this like bad vibe tribe that, <laughs> that you stuck with. And what mm-hmm. a blessing, like what a blessing I think. Cause every parent just prays for that. Like, can my child please just find like a tribe of really great people because you're so easily influenced. So you found this tribe, you kind of went through high school, you made it through, but how do you go from like a follower and I'm sure at that point, probably not very confident because you're still kind of following, maybe figuring out who you are. How do you figure out a who you are? How do you gain some confidence? And how do you like dive inward and heal some of that the stuff in the past you can move forward?
1: Yeah, great question. So I'll, I'll try to tackle that. So learn who you are. Um, I think my journey to learning who I am came a lot through trial and error and failure. Because at such a young age, I was bullied and I was, you know, laughed at a lot. I don't know when this happened, but at some point it it didn't hit me as hard as it used to. You know, like it didn't phase me as much as if it was my first time getting laughed at. And so I, I stopped caring. I did care, but I stopped caring as much. And that allowed me to try things that I was interested in. For a long time, I've been interested in performing, acting, dancing, singing when I was growing up, but never pursued it because of my fear. And, you know, I just, you know, I I just wasn't into it. And as I started getting older, now I'm starting to be interested in girls. You know, um, I remember my mom suggesting, why don't you try dance? I was like, no way, mom. Like, I don't want to be laughed at and be called like the ballerina or something, you know, back in the day, that was my mindset. I would never say that now. That was just my thought process as a 13 year old, 14 year old young man. Um, and my mom's saying, "Well, Kyler, you'd be like the only guy with all girls." And I remember signing up the next day. And <laughs> um, that really helped gain a lot of confidence being the only guy with all with all girls. and but the point of this the story I'm trying to make is that, you know, i I had to get over the fear that people would make fun of me, and people did. and and i I use that line that my mom told me. And to the bullies that said, try to make fun of me that oh, you're in dance or you're wearing tutus or you're doing this. And I say, well, you know, whatever I'm wearing, I'm with all girls. So they're all my best friends. Like, what are you doing? You know, and that was my way of coping and my my way of showing them that you know what, you can try to make fun of me, but I'm doing something that I love and I'm doing with, with people that that I love like and and I I those girls and I like we became really good friends and, and um, I ended up teaching dance there a couple of years later and so that also helped with the confidence. But this all started just from. I had an interest and I was fearful of trying it. And it was the people around me, my parents and my friends who are encouraging me to try. So learning to learn who you are, you have to try things like you. you, There's no there's no secret you know, sauce or magic bullet to learning who you are other than trial and error. You have to try it, see if you like it. And don't be afraid what other people think, because I don't remember what. My classmates tried and failed. I, I can't name one thing that they tried and failed. It, it, and you try. Try to think of a classmate that, you know, tried something and didn't work out. People try volleyball. Doesn't, not for them. Try basketball. Not for them. Maybe football. Mm, okay. I kind of like it. Oh, rugby. That's my sport. Right. And that was the same thing with me. I tried football. I don't know why it wasn't. I didn't get it as much as I did with rugby and rugby. I really uh, with dance. I did both at the same time. One very masculine one. Well, you would argue one masculine one not. But the the trying of things really helped build then my confidence. Right. And. Once I started to build that confidence because of the practice, right? You're, you're going to practice every, you know, a couple of times a week and practice makes perfect. And when you practice, you create mastery and with mastery comes confidence. So that's why you got to try, figure what's interesting to you. Then when you're fingering what is interesting to you, you can then work on it 10 X, right? How much you're doing of it. And you'll be so confident. You you'll be oozing confidence. You don't believe because it's, it's just second nature to you. Like doing hip hop and, and playing these sports and, and you, you build friendships because you're just spending so much time with them. So now my, my friendship pool just like increased substantially. Right. And this is around 15, 16 years old from when I first tried it to then later, you know, later on in high school. So I think you asked a third question who said knowing yourself, building confidence. And what was the third one? Or did you ask a third uh, one?
0: Healing, like healing some of those wounds or 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 did you or did it come later in life?
1: Mm, definitely came later in life. I definitely uh, put those wounds in like a chest and and put it under my bed and didn't really actually acknowledge it until I was in a very toxic relationship in my early twenties and realizing through this relationship, it was about almost three year relationship. We were very toxic, not physically toxic, but verbally toxic. We're not right fit. um, That all those things came back up. Right. And I I made a bunch of mistakes during that time. I actually lost touch of all my friends. I lost touch of my family because of this relationship. I got into serious debt because of this relationship. And um, But the thing that helped me heal was taking accountability of my actions. So knowing that I made these mistakes, knowing that these were my choices, knowing that I have a problem and I'm going to seek for help those are the beginning stages of me healing, and I'm still not healed. I, I would argue scar, you know, the only way to heal a scar is with time, right? And 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 not pressure, but you got to work at it, right? So, those scars that I had, I had to acknowledge that I had the scar, and I had to work that that I that I, I, I not only acknowledge I have it, that I created it, right? So I had to apologize to a lot of my friends and family that I, you know, I I didn't see for almost a few years, right? And and say that I know I messed up and I hope you can forgive me. We can amend our relationship and grow from here. And I'm very lucky to say that all those relationships are amended and we're better than ever. But it took me taking those steps and acknowledging it and seeking the help. And I did, I saw a therapist to understand some of those issues. Um, I I was also talking to a lot of family and friends about those issues and, and and doing my own research. Like I'm, I'm very big into looking up YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, self-development podcasts. This is why I'm on a podcast today is because I believe, you know, there's some, amazing healing done through podcasting and through listening and hearing other people's stories. And that was kind of my, my path. And it took many years, you know, I'm summarizing up really fast here. Um, but through my twenties, that was my healing journey. It was acknowledging it and working at it and, and listening to other people's perspective and hearing other people's story. Cause I remember hearing a podcast where Someone's being raped or someone's being physically abused. And I'm looking at my emotional abuse and saying, well, see someone, I I was actually lucky. I was actually, you know, I didn't go through that. Right. And it puts things into perspective for, for myself. So, that was part of my, I think that was a big part of my healing journey. It was those through things of just acknowledgement, work, uh, working at it and perspective of, listen, like there's many people in the world that have it worse, way worse in the world. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. I feel like that's so early to actually, you know, it's a lot easier to shift the blame or just kind of leave things on the table and not deal with them. It's so much easier to actually be accountable for your part in it. I feel like is very hard for people to actually admit to, right? So then the forgiveness and the healing and all of that can happen. And um, I do like what you say about like this scar. It's like our our childhood in these early years definitely like they say the first seven years or whatever it is, whatever happens to you, like sticks with you and that shapes who you are and some of the different wounds and stuff that you go through and, and even like growing up. So it's like this, the scar might always be there. And it's like every, you know, different experience or new level or new, Mm -hmm. um, there, then the same scar can kind of be scratched open a little bit but then you just have to keep working it with it. Keep dealing with it. Keep, you know, keep going through because yeah, first, yeah. First you have to acknowledge absolutely. And then Um, do whatever comes next. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think it's, it's a giant perspective game. Um, I uh, something I didn't mention was uh, when I was 16 years old, I had an opportunity to go to uh, Rwanda, Africa with uh, these five groups, uh, this five friends that I had there involved with a church um, and they did like a missions trip. And I remember I, I, w- I really wanted to go. I don't know why I really wanted to go. Never thought about Africa once before you know, uh, but really want to experience this. And obviously my parents were scared and you know, what's the safety things. Uh, long story short, I did go, it was a three week trip where we built a, um, a playground for a school there and we fundraised money for a year to do it. And I bring the story up because although it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's part of my bullying journey. It is part of my journey of perspective and healing because, seeing how happy these kids are in the pot, you know, they, they live in poverty. They have to walk like 30 miles to get water every day. They have to walk to school and it takes them like two hours to walk to school. When I complain with a 15 minute car ride, <laughs> you know, cause there's traffic and these kids are the, when I say the happiest kids, I mean the happiest people I've ever met. And that's because this perspective, they appreciate everything they have in their life because they know that, like, th- they they know what is important in life, right? It's family, it's friends, it's happiness. And having that perspective through my life, when then going back to school and kids trying to bully me, it, it, it helped that, that perspective helped because I knew that someone had it worse than me and that I should be grateful for what I have. And it's hard to say if someone's really like depressed, I understand, I can empathize that it's hard to think that way. But I would challenge anyone listening or watching to just look at like how much you have. You're probably sitting in a house or in a car or in a drive-through and millions of people don't have that same opportunity. And so whenever I'm feeling a little bit down and thinking selfishly, I try my best to think about others in that way. And the minute I think about others, I forget about my own problems. And those scars that were so deep heal so much faster. Mm. And part of my part of why I call my company making it happen is because I, I, with a lot of help, went from a, a principal saying you won't amount to anything to where I am today. And and this catchphrase making it happen, you can make it happen. I really believe you can do it. Anyone can make it happen in the world make and it being whatever your dream is. Uh, pursuing a career, uh, traveling the world. Uh, if it's building a business, you can do it. People are doing it right now. You can see it on every single social media platform. And it all comes down to perspective. you have a perspective that you can do it, you will do it. If you believe it, you can achieve it, right? You've probably, you may have heard that saying before. So perspective is a big part of everything that I think about. And this is part of the healing journey and part of how that helped me get to where I am today, I think is, is that, and if you can apply that in your life, I think you'll be a lot happier and you will pursue things that you didn't know you could.
0: So good. So good. And I want to just touch on this point that you brought up too, about dabbling, you know, dabbling. I think any, anybody who's listening right now. Um, even as adults, kids, you know, maybe for your kids, maybe for yourself, like instead of thinking about if it's not going to work out dabble in all different areas to find out what you like and what you enjoy and what lights you up because, um, like put yourself in as many different new experiences and situations as you can, because like you loved lacrosse and was it no rugby rugby.
1: Rugby, rugby. Yeah. My, my,
0: my nephews play lacrosse. I was just thinking about it. You love good. rugby and then yeah. you were in dance. So it's like, yeah. put your kids in as many different places as you can put yourself. Like, I'm sure there's so many people listening right now that are like, ah, uh, you know, I am just not lit up. I'm not happy. Like go out and dabble in like cooking and gardening and, Paddleboarding and, and everything that you can think of, just go, go dabble in it so that you can find something that you really love, because I feel like we don't dabble enough. We might try one thing or the other and it doesn't work out and then it, then it's done, but it's like, there's so much out there that, so with dabbling in things, how did you mm-hmm. um, get into making it happen and, and doing what you're doing now? How did, you, did mm. you dabble in different areas or how did that come about?
1: That's a good question. So um, <laughs> so that, this, this is a big dabble, okay, <laughs> this story. So I uh, fast forward, I graduate now, I graduated college and I'm in a job that I don't love. Don't hate, don't love. You know, I'm sure a lot of us feel that way. It's not like torturous, but it's not what you really want to do. And I, w- what I looked at, was who am I following on social media? Like, who do I follow? Because we all follow, yeah, we follow friends, but then we follow people we admire and respect and love. And a lot of, at the time, I was following photographers videographers, artists, dancers, performers, actors. This is who I follow, this is who I this is what I consumed. I want to know who's playing what in what movie, who's dancing where and what genre, who won this dance battle, what filmmaker shot this, what photographer took this. I was very much interested in that, but I didn't dabble into it. I was scared cuz how am I who doesn't own a camera How am I going to dabble into that? And it wasn't until I met my fiance, um, we worked for the same company and uh, we had an instant like instant attraction with each other, uh, but nothing ever happened uh, because we worked together and I was in sales. She was in HR. So it was a big no, no, but, uh, and she lived halfway. She lived across the country. I'm living in Vancouver, BC. She lived in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, fast forward six months later, we both left the job for different reasons and we got out of touch and somehow got back into touch. She was visiting Vancouver. Um, and we, we connected. And, uh, I remember after four days hanging out with her, I told her I loved her and I wanted to, we wanted to see where this went and we did long distance and fast forward. I moved to Montreal. So this is the first dabble I did. I took a big risk. I've never lived outside BC before. Okay. never lived outside my province. And I moved across the country to a province that speaks French first, which I don't speak French, following a girl I've only known for a year that I said I loved after four days. So a lot of, uh, you know, my parents were quite concerned and my friends were kind of concerned. But this was the first big risk that I took, a first dabble that I did and said, this is something that I'm interested in trying. And I really, how I did it was I, I, I just looked at the worst case scenario. What's the worst possible thing that actually could happen? Like, and I'm not talking about oh, I could the plane would crash. Not like that. Like, what would actually happen? It doesn't work out, and I move back. Okay that's not that that's not that bad i have a i have a great my family would welcome me back home i'm lucky to have a family or friends that would say yeah crash on my couch no problem if i needed to come back so the worst case scenario was i move back home i buy a ticket or i drive back home you know not the end of the world so what do i have to lose at this point i didn't i don't have a house don't have a wife don't have kids don't have a career that i love and I could easily go back into because I have education. There's so the how I dabbled is I I looked at what is the worst case scenario and the worst case scenario wasn't that bad, so I did it. I move across the country. Now four almost five years later, I'm engaged uh, to to this woman. I'm in madly in love. We're gonna get married. I have bought a house with her. And I'm now in this career that, that I absolutely love. And when I moved there, she had a camera and she gave me the opportunity to pursue this passion that I've always wanted. And the biggest thing is like cameras are quite expensive. They're like a thousand plus bucks. And now they're even more expensive. So I never wanted to spend a thousand dollars on a hobby. And so I didn't take that risk. But moving across the country led me to not only love my life, but the love that I have right now for my career. Which is like videography, filmmaking, storytelling, and helping other businesses and other people make it happen, right? That That is, so the answer to your question is, what is the worst case? If you try dance, okay, you suck at it, but you do it for a year, you're going to get pretty good at it. Maybe even three months, you might discover you're pretty good at it. Or you try a sport, or like, it, it, it's like dating, like, are you expected to find the love of your life after five dates? Probably not. Maybe a hundred dates or maybe 50 dates, you know, it depends, right? But it, it is trial. You have to go and try and you can't be fearful. of What, what if, because the, 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 what if scenario is imaginary land that no one can predict. And if you only think, well, what if I fail? What if I do this? Well, what's the worst case scenario?
0: Awesome. And think about that. Yeah. Love it. And it's like, well, maybe you don't love dance, but maybe you meet your best friend there, or maybe you have a daughter and you, you know, down the road, you're like, oh, there's this incredible studio or, you know, there's so many different things. Like sometimes we think about even the success of it having to be a certain way when it's like, it Mm can be the littlest, tiniest thing that you take out of the experience with you that you bring forward. That's meant for you. So I love that you say that, like, what's the worst case scenario? Uh, Probably not that bad. You might be a little embarrassed. You might suck. You'll get over it and you'll learn something or learn what you don't like. So then you can be led to the next breadcrumb of what you do. So you move across the country. You your girlfriend had a camera. So, like, how did you start the your your process? Did you just go and take pictures of landscapes? Did you take pictures of people? Did you start videoing? Like, how did you jump into that?
1: Good question. So, uh, as I just moved, I'm somewhat of a tourist, right? I've only been to Montreal once before. And, uh, you know, if you've only been once, there's still a whole city that you don't know. So, it was very easy to, I, I did, I took the camera and I just went out because. Again, I didn't grow up there. So everything was so interesting. The people were interesting, how they dress, the landscapes. If you've never been in Montreal, it's one of the oldest cities in Canada. And so it, it, is, it is like full of, of old architecture and, and amazing restaurants. Like the, the, the architecture is just beautiful, right? And so it was very easy because I was a tourist, and if we all, if we've all traveled before, and you all take photos, like either with, either with a camera or with your phone, you take photos. You're like, oh, that's interesting. Never seen this before, right? So we all have experienced that. So when I, so the journey that happened was I, I so I moved there, and I became a tourist, started taking photos, and really fall in love with this process, and starting to, you know, kind of think like I, I think I'm kind of good at this. Like I, I you know, i I'm, you know, she's my girlfriend. She might have to say it, but. But I got, you know, some other people saying, oh, like, I love your photos. I start posting on Instagram. People are like, oh, do you mind taking photos of a couple and I? Sure, you know, and, and it becomes this thing. Um, what really pushed me over the edge to pursue this actually was a layoff. So I, I moved across the country and I had to have a job. So I, I had a job and they actually let go of over 100 people. And uh in Quebec, if you let go over a hundred people, they have to pay you a severance. So I got a severance, I got a big check. Nice. And I was I was like, I was like, oh, okay. So I have now I have all this free time. I got a bunch of money. So I don't have to have a job right away. I have about maybe two, three months that I could, I could just like stretch that money out as much as I can to pursue this passion. So that was the point. And that was on a random like Tuesday, like literally Tuesday, I walk into work, all of a sudden you're laid off, here's a check. And I'm like, what do I do? And all signs are pointing pointing towards this, like all the signs in the universe. And I could have just gotten another job. It, there, there was, they were recommending me, Hey, we'll, we'll give you what we feel because they felt very bad, right? The business wasn't doing so well, like all hundred people. Um, and I, I'm new, I just moved to the province, right? So I'm, of course I'm part of it. Um, So they were going to give me recommendations for other jobs and, and they were willing to help me find a job, but I wanted to find a job and what I doing. So I found a job as a content creator at a business and I did that for two years And I was their content creator, I was their content creator, content strategist, content manager, and then brand manager. So I moved up the ranks in those two years very quickly because I was very interested. I was very, and always trying to do more things. And as the business grew, so did my position and my role. And I started to have people under me and I started to do a lot of self-learning, you know, every day on YouTube, listen to podcasts, it's like teaching myself this craft. Like 100% of what I learned is off of YouTube and, and podcasts. Those are the two YouTube and podcasts, probably like 80 20. And so the YouTube University is what taught me how to do all this. So, long, this is a long story, but it's important because I, I like people have to understand that. Things can be given to them. There are signs in the universe, I really believe that, that you have to see. You could either see it or miss or totally miss it. And I didn't want to miss this. I knew that this was my opportunity to to get into the field that I was really interested in.
0: Wow. So cool. I love that. Yeah. Like, thank you very much. Thank you for the layoff. Thank you for the money. Now you can really (laughs) go out and, and get creative and not feel pressured. And yeah, like you said, like you just listened, like all the signs were pointing. Sometimes all the signs are pointing and we just don't listen. We don't listen to our intuition. We don't really pay attention and then we can miss out on something so incredible. So, I love that you had that time to dabble in. And I think you're um, like bringing up this, the YouTube and the podcast. It's like, there is so much information available, anything that you want to know or learn, you can, ba- you can basically like go through YouTube university and learn it all. Mm. Or there's so many podcasts that are free. Like YouTube is free. Podcasts are free. So sometimes I think we need to let go of some of the excuses and just like watch a two minute video or another two minute video or listen to a podcast, because if it's really something that you're feeling pulled to, then you have to take some sort of action to start the ball mm-hmm. moving forward. So yeah. yeah, then you got into I-
1: Uh, Really quickly too. Sorry. I I don't want to, sorry if I'm interrupting you, but I just had this thought I I really want to share is that, you know, saying this out loud, you may, some people might think, Oh, this guy's, like freaking lucky, you know, and not everyone is, is, is given all the same opportunities and, and that is okay. Cause we're all given different cards and, and, and that is not our choice. That is what we're given in life, but we all can play and still reach. You hear all the time, these stories of people who are homeless, who became millionaires. It it happens because of the perspective and the hard work and the dedication they have. Right. I took a chance and I move across the country, and that risk paid off. I took a risk that paid off. And so you have to calculate what, how much risk you can take. If your risk is you got a mortgage and kids, you could probably take less risk than I took because you have responsibilities. I, can take, I, I can't take those same risks now than I did five years ago. Okay, So if, if I were to do the same thing, I would do it very differently right now. Back then I had nothing to lose right now. I have a, I have a kid I have to pay for. I have a mortgage. I have a business. I have expenses. It's a very different ball game, but it all came down to the risks I was willing to take to pursue what I wanted in my life. And if, if you, if what you want can overcome, you know, the, the comfort that you have, Right. If you really, this is what I want and I'm willing to do it. You, you can do it. It might take you longer because again, we're all in different seasons of life, but I really just, it all comes down to just assess the risk for yourself and everyone can take different risks. Some people do bet their house and they win. Right. I'm not recommending you do. You have to assess your own risk level. And then take it as it is and then work at it. There's there's 24 hours in a day. We're all given the same 24 hours. You work eight, you you sleep eight. You know what I mean? So there, there is time and then you have time with the kids, yes. But you can fit in two, three hours to work on YouTube University, at uh, Podcast University and learn a craft and create a business on the side with or without your your spouse or your partner or your roommate or your friend or by yourself. You know what I mean? It's like, there's so many opportunities to to do this. It's easier now to do than it was before Mm -hmm. just five years ago.
0: Yes. And I mean, I can just based on our conversation now that if you, I can just see you in your perspective that you have, you're in a different situation, but if there's something that you want, then yeah, maybe it won't be moving across the country using your perspective and, you know, assessing the risk. I mean, you can do less risky things to, to get what you want and it might take longer or not, but you still, yeah, I think you would still go for it in whatever way you can. Right. And like you said, everybody, you, you what your company making it happen, everybody has that same potential. Like you said, mm-hmm. Some people are, on the streets and are millionaires. Some people get their success. They get an idea like 69 and they have like, you know, whatever it is that you want to make happen, making it happen can be so different to each one of us. And it doesn't have to be like dollar signs. It could be the lifestyle that you want or the relationships that you want or the business that lights you up. So Um, Talk to us about what you're offering your company, making it happen, and uh, all the different things that you're doing today.
1: Mm -hmm. So from a business front, Making Happen Productions is a live production company that focuses on helping businesses and brands grow online through video. Right in a nutshell, that's the business. Right, the business because my passion is is video. I, I love this format. I think it's a it's the closest thing to you and I interacting. You and I are miles and miles away, but we're interacting through video, and, and we can create this amazing uh, interaction connection through video. Right, so that is what my business does, and we all use from a business context. We all use video to market and to sell and to onboard people. It is uh, multi-purpose use and you can use in many different ways, right? Including podcasting. So I help people with that. So market their business through video. Maybe it's an onboarding or upselling or whatever they need to use video for. I can help them make it happen online specifically. That's the business. Kyler Miles, on the other hand, I want to build a world where people are, are are making it happen in the world. And like I said, that that is either pursuing a dream career, building their own business, building maybe a family, or traveling the world. Like we all have missions and dreams and visions in life, and the biggest roadblock that we all have is how. And the funny thing is we all can find the answer to the how, but we don't know how always to implement it. It's we don't have the right mindset to implement it because the answer is out there. The, what is out there? Like, how do I move across the country? I like Googled that by the way, not a lot of things popped up (laughs) with when I Googled that. Um, But things did pop up and I found, okay, here are the steps that you must take. That's the what, but, the mindset I had to the the sh- mindset shift I have to take to actually pick up my life, leave my friends and family and go to a new province, learn a new language in a new relationship with a step child and new family, new cultures and all that stuff like nothing prepares you for that right so that that is what kyler miles me personally wants to help the world to build a world where more people are making happen pursuing their dreams pursuing their their lifelong passions like what what do they want to do in life and help them make it happen so those are the two different missions that i have um one you know fulfills my living and one fulfills the soul, you know, and, and giving it back. And, um, that's kind of in a nutshell of uh, what I do in both fronts.
0: So good. And I don't even know the quote, I butcher them all, but it's like people who are doing what they love, like that's what the world needs because people who are doing what they love and are passionate about, what they love change the world. So I love that that's your mission to make, making it happen because Mm -hmm. how many of us are, are not, and just kind of in the, in the day to day. And, you know, maybe there's like this little whisper or maybe it's super loud or, you know, this thing that's nagging at you and anything is absolutely possible. Like pigs can fly, watch the Doritos commercial. (laughs) There's been a man on the moon. There's the internet, like any dream, anything that you can think of Elon Musk is sending regular people up into space, like whatever (laughs) you have going on, whatever dream that is just, you know, out there and not being lived, like it is absolutely possible. So Mm -hmm. I love that this is your mission because people who are making it happen and doing what they love, those are the people who are going to change the world and make it better, a better place. So, yeah, just mm-hmm. like all the love to you. Like how incredible that that that's your mission. That's what you're here to do.
1: Thank you, thank you. I really appreciate that, and I appreciate your platform and sharing that message. And and everyone listening or watching this, it, it like it sounds cheesy, I know, but it is true. It, it to me, it is true that you can make it happen. You can make whatever you want in your life happen, and it it just it's just perspective and and hard work towards it. That's really the two things, if I could leave you with, is just having a new way of looking at life that things that things are possible, perspective, and then having the work ethic to know that this is going to be a long lifelong journey. Like I'm only touching the surface of what I learned and who I can impact. And I think when I'm 75, I'm going to impact a lot more people than I am now. And that's, and I'm only, you know, I'm just coming up to 30 years old, you know, so there's a long life to live and a lot of people I want to help. So it's, it's that perspective and the hard work and those two things will, will really, really impact your life in more ways than not. And I think those are the, just the ingredients to making it happen, whatever it is for you. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And and if you can apply those two things, you will make it happen.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I love it all. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, um, follow you, connect with you.
1: So uh, I'm active mostly on Instagram, but I am on every single social media platform, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all the things at Kyler Miles. You can follow my production uh, company at making it studios. If you're looking for video work, Um, If you want to leverage, uh, learn how to leverage video for your business, you can go to making it studios, but yeah, connect with me, send me a DM, connect with me on LinkedIn or or Instagram or Facebook, whatever, whatever platform suits you. I'm on there. I also have a podcast, making it happen journey of an entrepreneur that you can listen to where I interview entrepreneurs on their journey and how they are making it happen. So, yeah. uh, Thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story and, and be a little vulnerable and, and, back into when I used to get bullied um, and yeah, just pay it forward. So thank you.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. I know so many people are going to be so inspired to make it happen after listening to your incredible story. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I so appreciate you. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of all things relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.